Hey, I'm from A to Z, and I say to myself, Welcome to From A to Z, the podcast where we listen to and discuss every single David Bowie song from A to Z. My name is Travis. And I say to you, Travis, my name is Thomas. Ah, well played. Uh, we are discussing some vintage, vintage Bowie today. Oh yeah. Oh, we're talking about And I Say to Myself, the uh, 1966 single on Pi Records, David Bowie and The Lower Third came out in January of 66. And I think this one technically, technically counts as a major shift saw because this is his first one under the moniker of David Bowie. That's right. The very first, this is technically the very first David Bowie song. Um, Appropriately enough, buried very, very deep into the first month of A to Z. So for the uninitiated, before this, he he was going by his given name of David Jones, and then those goddamn monkeys came out, and Davy Jones became the famous Davy Jones. You know, that that reminds me, last year, last week, uh, we talked about Anne Lepore. I couldn't believe, as I was editing it, I couldn't believe that we didn't make a monkeys joke, because it's got so much hey-hey. Oh my god, we're on song. Wasted opportunity! Did you ever have that thing where you, like, think of the perfect joke, like... 30, 30 minutes too late. All like the time. Seven All days the time. too late. Would, so I, I have two versions of this that happen to me regularly, both the conversational and so sometimes I dabble in open mic stand-up comedy and I'll either think of a brilliant ad-lib after I get home or I'll be like on the bus looking back at my notes and realize I left like my best material like totally unset. It's just like get so nervous. Yeah. But, oh man, any opportunity to talk about the monkeys that gets wasted is uh, mournful. So I had recently watched this appearance that he had done on Conan O'Brien. It was actually as part of Conan O'Brien's David Bowie journey. David Bowie's telling the story about how he, in between being David Jones and David Bowie, he had just changed his first name and was going to go as Tom Jones. <laughs> and then it's not unusual, came out and he had to change his name again. <laughs> ah, Fresh Prince. I was in high school, the kid who did the most perfect Carlton Banks dance I've ever seen in my life. So, and I say to myself, what are your impressions of this? So this is pretty standard mid-60s pop. It's, it's not really anything special. It's, it basically sounds like every early Beatles song or anything influenced by Buddy Holly that was coming out at that time. Yeah, it's very 50s influenced. Yeah. Lyrically, it, like, when you really go and look at them, it's, it's a theme I, I will always relate to. It actually kind of reminded me of this girl that I knew. So we worked together. She had this boyfriend. She left him to date me. Didn't last very long. He had that very similar like personality, where it's just like I, where he's you know he basically he's talking about this girl that he just can't keep up with. He wants yeah. her to love him, but he just can't keep up with her. And I was just thinking about like when I was dating this like kind of hard partying girl. And I was just, I go to bed at like ten o'clock. Like I can't keep up with you. But some of the phrasing in the song, like it kind of reminded me of Flight of the Concords a little bit, where it's just like these like really absurd turns of phrase. Uh, just like talking about how he's a fool and that kind of thing. <laughs> there was like a, a line that like made me laugh out loud. It was just like so. Maybe it was just the, at the end of the verse. Maybe just talking about like she doesn't. She doesn't love you. She doesn't need you. This I know. It's just like very matter of fact. Well, I'll, I'll tell you my impressions. Yeah. About, uh, about the lyrics is it seems to me we were talking last week about 
uh, how in these enlightened times, it's hard to see something the same way as before. I think I know which line you're talking about. Yeah, uh, I had a very well, similar re revelation. Okay, well, for the first, I'll preface this by saying it is from a different time. A kind of a more, what's the word, more chaste time. But it, it seems kind of like the quintessential nice guy trademark song. Uh, it's about this girl, yeah, that he can't keep up with, but he kind of is derisive in his um, dismissal of her. Yeah. Like, uh, she's got a trail of men following her around. Her around. Yeah, okay, well, that's, that's, that's cool. But it's not cool because it's like uh, she hasn't the strength to love yeah. any single man. That line didn't hit me right. It definitely did not hit me right. <laughs> so thinking about it, I think it might be just that he's you know, trying to rhyme strength and length. Uh, maybe, but I don't think that's really, that really excuses it. I mean, yeah, just looking back on it, what, 50 years later? And then also what's kind of line that cracked me up too, because it just, it sounds like a very matter-of-fact way of saying it. She hasn't the strength to love any single man for a length of time. Like, it's like the least poetic lyric ever. It is kind of, it is kind of uh, clunky. Yeah, it did, that, that line more than any line felt very Flight of the Concords once I was able to, like, to wash off the kind of, like, misogyny part of it. <laughs> But, I will say this for it, a few scant lines later, it is like quasi-feminist, he's like, yeah, she's out to slay. But just like, it, it almost kind of gives her a little bit of credit, like, yeah, she's out to slay. Like, it's okay for a girl to be out there and slay. This is the 60s, this is a sexual revolution. So, I don't know, it's like, it's weird to go from like, pretty softness to like, pretty feminist in a really short amount of time. Well, not really, because I, I don't think he's looking at that as a good thing either. I think he's just sort of like burying himself deeper and deeper into this hole of uh, resentment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're probably right. This does feel like this song is very much from the point of view of the early 20s version of myself that I kind of hate now. Yeah. <laughs> and it just gets even more simplistic at the end where it's just like, and I say to myself, I can't get what I want. And it makes me sad. And I can't get what I want. And it makes me mad. It's just like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it makes me mad just like, yeah, so cringeworthy. The thing is, this song is catchy and it's fun and it it's poppy and it's boppy and I like listening to it, but uh, I don't like reading lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> just, it's uh, like the folk rock flashbacks from Spinal Tap almost, and like how it's like really <laughs> just like bouncy and catchy, but actually pretty bad. This song is. Yeah. Um, but hey, I mean, he was what eighteen when he wrote this song. Very young. It, you know. I'm pretty sure anyone who looks back at this and thinks about how they used to pine over others when they were 18, sure. pretty embarrassing and horrible. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, it is. One thing I noticed about this song lyrically is that it's kind of a narcissistic song. Mm. So it's it's called, and I say to myself, there's a lot of first person in this, mm -hmm. but then there's also a lot of second person. Of course, all the second person is also addressing the first person. It's like, I say to myself, you. So he's really talking to himself. So it's really, this all the second person is really first person. Yeah. So I went through and I counted all the mentions of I and myself. Uh, he mentions myself 29 times. Each time he mentions myself, it's paired with the word I. So that's 29 I's. And then he also has 15 additional references to I. <laughs> all right, so for, for a total of 44 first person wow. references, and then the second person references, there's 10 of those, but those, like I said, are really first-person references. Uh, the third-person references, she and her, there's a total of 
17 she's and 4 hers. So that's what, 21? 21 versus um, 44, basically. <laughs> so twice as much emphasis on me, I, myself, than on her, she. So, yeah, this is a very narcissistic song. Yeah, it's not a lot of productive self-talk at all. There's no <laughs> focus on, how can I change this? How can I maybe turn this around? It's all, and I'm thinking to myself about how horrible this girl is. Um, she, she, doesn't, she can't handle loving me. She doesn't have the strength to handle loving one person. Yeah, right. Uh, and I don't think we mentioned this at the top of the show. We, uh, this, is, this is a B-side uh, on a single. The A-side of the, the corresponding A-side was, of course, Can't Help Thinking About Me. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about that while I was looking. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Bowie, you were such an 18-year-old when you were 18. <laughs> oh, you would make such a perfect millennial now. Once again, David Bowie, ahead of his time, being <laughs> a shithead 18-year-old. <laughs> Anything else about this song? Yeah, there's not a whole lot to say. It's a pretty mediocre pop song. And it's uh, really, I guess, the first song we've covered on here that's just a straightforward pop song. Everything else has some kind of notability to it. And it's some kind of bells or whistles attached. This is just... Two and a half minutes of self-loathing and reflection. And so I like to think that like even these, these earlier songs um, have some complexity to them. And a lot of them do, but like you said, there's this self-loathing to it, which you don't get in a whole lot of pop songs, at least not in a palatable way. Yeah. It's the medicine in, in, the, in the chocolate bar, basically. It's like, yeah. is that a thing that people actually do? Probably not. It's like giving your dog its worm pills wrapped in some jeans. Like you don't notice that you're actually listening to something really depressing because you're too busy bopping along. Yeah, right. Uh, it's a fun song. It's got a great bass line. It's yeah. Like nice, nice, some nice bass playing by, uh, we should mention the uh, musicians on this. The lower third are, at least in this, uh, in this configuration, Dennis Taylor on lead guitar, Graham Rivens, the bass player, who's got that great boppy bass line, and then, uh, Phil Lancaster on drums. Well, we should mention something about the Lower Third a little bit. Uh, they were a five-piece band from a little area just to the southeast of London called uh, Margate. Sorry, UK listeners. <laughs> know anything about your, your foreign land. And uh, they met up in March 65 in a coffee shop on uh, Denmark Street, which was the, like, the center of the London music industry. There were a lot of agents and uh, uh, musicians hanging out on that street and in this particular coffee shop we met up. The Lower Third had just decided to pick up and move from Margate to London. At least three of them had moved to London and they were looking for a singer, David Bowie. Then Davy Jones had been looking for a group because uh, the Manish Boys had just split up. Um, and so they kind of came together, met each other in a coffee bar, and decided to start playing. They played for a little while and finally got a record deal and uh, signed to Pi Records. Came out with these three singles, and uh, this was the first one. Uh, and I Say to Myself, which was the B-side to uh, Can't Help Thinking About Me. And the rest proceeded to be history. Uh, it didn't quite, it was still pretty herky-jerky from then on, but it's yeah. a ways to go. Yeah. What else? I didn't find any other versions. Yeah, it's, there was nothing. So this this episode will be a really good palate cleanser for people who have powered through a couple of these like really lengthy ones we've had back to back to back. Nice, nice brief one about a mediocre song to kind of like get ready to 
dive into some of the lengthier stuff. So why don't we go on and do ratings? Let's do some ratings. Um, I will give this song to navel-gazing narcissist teenagers. Very good. Yeah, I, I like. I wanted to give you know give a little bit of an extra boost to these pie singles just because I, I like them a lot, but. This is one of the, the mediocre ones, so yeah, I'd give this one two and a half navel-gazing, narcissistic teenagers. And again, it's not to say it's a bad song. I think people should still absolutely listen to this song after they listen to this episode, or before, or before and after. Because it's a perfectly fine pop song. It gets the job done. I'm, all of us are going to feel these emotions at some point or have. So you can listen to the song and go back and be like, ah, oh, screw you, 22-year-old myself, being this awful. <laughs> yeah. Say that to yourself. Yeah, and I say to myself, it's a good thing you grew up. Yeah, so thank you, David Bowie, for sharing your self-loathing with us. I, I sure I sure appreciate it. And, uh, I wish I had known this song when I was 23. It would have really, it would have helped for some very specific points in time. So after this, he, you know, he, he continued with his songwriting career, continued to hone his songwriting. And he came up with a lot more wonderful songs. Yes. Including Andy and Warhol. Uh, yeah, that's, that's my transition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is which is going to be the next one. Yeah. That's Wednesday here on From A to Ziggy. Until then, you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at From A to Ziggy. Check out FromAtoZiggy.com. Leave a comment. Tell us what you thought of And I Say Myself. And once again, if you want to be on from A to Ziggy, we're coming up on, we're getting really close to entering the beat. So hit us up. We want, we would love to hear from you guys. Uh, yes. You know, leave us a message on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, email us at podcasts at from A to Ziggy.com. And tune in Wednesday for Andy Warhol. Say it's true. They got-